You've made it to Not Billable, the Law Trades podcast that brings you bite-sized legal and business news updates, full event replays, and conversations with legal pros about what's going on behind the scenes every week. Stop the clock, put the timesheet down, it's time to get started. Hey everybody, I'm Oren Pellick from Law Trades, back as always with another weekly news update, joined as always by my friend and fellow law trader, Matt Margolis. Matt, how you doing, man? You're going to make me say it. I, I, unless I hear it, my week starts off on the wrong foot. I, I kind of just live in the dream, man. Live the dream, man. Every day, every week, with so much gusto. I love it. Live in the dream. <laughs> All right. Well, let's take a look at what we're covering this week. So, first up, it looks like Movie Pass is getting a, a sequel, so to speak, to its legal troubles of the last few years. TikTok's privacy policy is confirming some uh, pretty scary data sharing issues that uh, both the EU and the US have been claiming for a while now. And the NFL's Player Association is hoping to intercept Junior Gallette's lawsuit. So we'll take a Thanks. look at that. Plus, a freeze is descending on Silicon Valley. And Fox Corp's chief legal officer has his own licensing issues, which uh, is a pretty interesting story once we get to that. But let's start with MoviePass. So if you'll remember a few years ago, there was this card you could buy for something like $10, and you could see unlimited movies with this MoviePass. Do you remember this? I remember this. Uh, this was like, it was like the coolest thing ever. I was like, oh my God, I can get to see all these movies right. for like nothing. Yeah. For you and me, it was Too fantastic. Good to be true. And <laughs> exactly. Everybody said, how the hell is this supposed to be a profitable company? Well, it turns out that the heads of MoviePass and their Surprise. parent company, yeah, HMNY, also knew that there was no way in hell this was ever going to be profitable. But they lied to investors about it and kind of, you know, perpetrated this idea that one day we'll be profitable, et cetera, et cetera. So they were sued by the FTC, they're currently sued by the SEC, and now the DOJ is coming after them. So they are in all sorts of legal trouble for what they did here. We just wanted to see movies, man. I just (laughs) wanted to see a movie. What's going on? There's a lot of stuff going on right now. This sounds like the plot of a movie, which is even Exactly. Right. There will be some movie pass movie that will eventually come out on Netflix or something. Yeah. It, it's funny because I remember when this first came out and I remember it's true. I do remember the like the what everyone was saying effectively. Oh, my gosh, this is too good to be true. How could you see an, almost an unlimited amount of movies? If I remember correctly for whatever. The amount was some, yes, a nominal amount. Mm-hmm. It's quite a sight to see where all of these regulators are coming in for for effectively manipulation of, of information. Right. So. Again, I think it's allegations, right? Because the Department of Justice just filed their charge yes. against the charge yes. of lawsuit. So always got to give them the benefit of the doubt. But doesn't look good when all the regulators are like, time out. This doesn't look right. <laughs> it doesn't look good when when FTC, SEC, DOJ is after you, when you've already settled with the FTC. And now the spokesman for the head of, you know, HMNY was the parent company of MoviePass. Sure. The, the CEO at the time, his spokesman is saying... As with the SEC filing, Mr. Farnsworth, his name is Ted Farnsworth, is confident that the facts will demonstrate that he has acted in good faith and his legal team intends to contest the allegations in the indictment until his vindication is achieved. So it's a good comm statement. That's a respect comm statement. (laughs) Again, look, we don't know, right? These are just allegations, but have fun. Have fun with that. Yeah, it's going to be quite the trial. So we'll see what happens there. Let's move on to TikTok, which is a kind of a more you know global issue here. In their new privacy policy that's coming out, the EU, the US has long suspected that American users, European users, anyone on TikTok, sure. their personal data can be accessed by ByteDance, which is the parent company of TikTok, and TikTok employees in China, around the world. In July, the CEO of the company sent a, a letter to Republican senators here in the US saying that only, quote, a narrow set of non-sensitive American user data could be accessed. But now, 
this new privacy policy in the EU is saying that, quote, based on a demonstrated need to do their job, subject to a series of robust security controls and approved protocols, and by way of methods that are recognized under the GDPR, we will allow certain employees within our corporate group located in, and they list basically a whole host of countries, sure. remote access to TikTok European user data. So yes, they're confirming what we've all suspected, that China, anyone who wants to, can look at TikTok user data. Now, hold on. I will say this. I will say this. Everyone has access to our data. <laughs> I mean, this is horrible to say. This is like the most pragmatic thing to say about this is, but Facebook and, and Twitter and all the other social media platforms are probably selling our data to China anyways. That being said, I don't like seeing my data being utilized by a foreign body, right? A foreign country, a foreign country that maybe isn't exactly on great terms with the United States. But the data is out there. The data is being probably they probably had it from the start. So so let's let's complicate that idea for a second. There is a data security expert. His name is Isaac Stonefish, who wrote on Twitter that basically there is a law in China that any Chinese company with at least three CCP, right, Chinese Communist Party members or more, has to have a party sell within the company. Obviously, TikTok, obviously ByteDance has not only three, but maybe hundreds, if not thousands of CCP members within their party. So there are Chinese data laws which require, without any hesitation, that if the party asks for data, you give them the data. No holds barred. So I think that kind of gives a lot of people pause, especially when you have foreign leaders on TikTok, when you have celebrities, when you have financial, whomever on on the... So it really starts to complicate things when you look at it through those laws. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And it's it's a problem with TikTok. It's likely a problem, obviously, with all the other social media platforms. And it's the age of, of free flow of data that can be easily accessed and utilized and manipulated to either target things against us or to effectively push us in certain directions. So this is a story that will unfold for the next couple of years, not just again with TikTok, but with all the other social media and probably the next four or five that are going to come out of the woodworks, you know, over the next few years. Of course, of course. And this seems to be kind of one of the biggest stories, right, of of our age is is who gets our data, where does our data go, where are the rules regulating it, how will foreign powers use it? Of course. Absolutely. Of course. All right. Well, let's take a look then uh, at uh, the NFL, which is not something we talk about too frequently on here. But former NFL edge rusher Junior Gallette uh, filed a lawsuit a few years ago. Basically, following he he posted something to Snapchat saying something about he doesn't want to participate in in slave deals. He called them. You know, he doesn't want anything to do with that. And and as a result, he was claiming that since that post came out that any contract he's been getting has been you know, racially biased against him, that he's been mm. getting lower deals as a result, et cetera. So he has been locked in a lawsuit with the NFL, with Roger Goodell, with the NFL Players Association over this for some $300 million. Uh, and I think last week, the NFL Players Association basically said, we want out, yep. right? Is that correct? That's right. So in federal court, this is a good, listen, this is a good civil procedure lesson. <laughs> so they're in federal court. I believe they're in Southern District of Florida. And when you first get served with a complaint, you have two options. You either file an answer, you know, addressing the allegations, either denying them, admitting them, or saying, you know, I don't have enough information to answer this. Or you file a motion to dismiss, which says this needs to be dismissed either with prejudice, gone forever, or without prejudice, which means you can go back and fix your problems and sue me again, um, or, you know, have a new complaint. 
And what they have filed effectively is this, it's my understanding, and I just pulled it up on Pacer, is, hey, the allegations of the complaint don't even address what we did, the Players Association. And even if they did, he's a stopped. He cannot pursue this against this claim against us because these claims were already litigated in arbitration, which is something that had happened previously. So it's very common in civil procedure. It's very common in litigation. I think one in two lawsuits start with a motion to dismiss. I mean, I've probably filed hundreds of them. So very common. And what they're alleging is super common in litigation that you just you did not allege enough to assert a claim against. But if I'm if I'm Galette's attorneys, I was just trying to sweep everybody into this lawsuit, like as many people as possible to to get the biggest reach or or, do they know that that's the case or? So I don't know if he's represented this one. He may be pro se, but I may be crazy on that. But that being said, you gen- honestly, that is generally the no matter what, that's what you do. You f- you if you have potentially a claim against someone, potentially, you don't want to lose that claim. You do not want to right. have it where you forget to sue somebody and then all Got of a sudden, right? And then you're like, oh, well, whoops, because I missed the statute of limitations or statute of repose or whatever. Yeah. So you sue everyone you may have a claim against. And listen, he may potentially, if there's a claim that exists, maybe he does have a claim against the players' association. But what they're saying, other than the fact that he, you know, has already litigated these claims in another, you know, venue in an arbitration. They're saying is you just haven't alleged enough against us to assert a claim. Like all you've said, I think, is that we should have protected your rights. Mm-hmm. So if absent the estoppel argument, I mean, they could go back. He can go back and amend and put in new allegations that really pinpoint a claim against them. Now, Danafella is no stranger to claims of racial bias and all these things. Is there is there any room in this lawsuit to say, you know, well, listen. This is a trend going on against multiple lawsuits, against multiple players. We're just claiming the same thing. Like, is there any way to wrap up these other lawsuits in there? Or is that probably in no not. way relevant? To- I mean, you could you could probably throw that allegation in there that like the, you know, that this is not uncommon, that there's a history of this. And I think I would probably move to strike it and say, this is not material of the lawsuit. This is, you know, you're alleging one singular event. But I mean, yeah, I mean, you could definitely put that in there into the lawsuit and and make that allegation again, because it doesn't hurt your case to show the judge, say, hey, judge, look, this is I'm not alone in this. But sure. again, is it material to be seen? Right. Probably right. not to be seen. That's exactly the point. So <laughs> yeah, fair <laughs> we'll point. see how far uh, Goliath gets with that. So, all right, well, let's take a look at some of the smaller stories this week. And here's something that we've kind of been talking about a little bit here in the past. And, and it's now this trend is really spreading. But it seems like everyone from from Amazon to Facebook to even Twitter, et cetera, is not only freezing new hires right now, but is really starting to take uh, a cleaver and chopping their staff uh, roster. It's really kind of uh, winter has descended upon Silicon Valley. Yeah, that's the best way to put it. I think last Friday for us, Lyft had had a massive layoff. Stripe had laid off, I think, 15% of their company many others. And then there's obviously speculation that other big players, especially one in Fang, may be laying off a lot of... I mean, Twitter, obviously, is another example. Twitter's a little bit different, granted, because Elon came in and, and that was that was a purposeful move. I don't think that was... It, it just doesn't follow the other layoffs, but we're going to see a lot more, a lot more rifts. And it's 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 really going to... You're going to feel it in tech, especially. So, so we've talked about this in the past. So if I am maybe not only just a, a new lawyer coming out of law school, but I've been in Silicon Valley sure. for a few years now and, and I'm feeling the chopping block here, what do I do? Do I, is there kind of something uh, sure. close no, I, to, to tech that I can get into or what do oh, I do? Oh, absolutely. Listen, there always is going to be tech lawyers. 
teams. There's always because mm-hmm. there's plenty of companies that are still to be hiring. If you're an outside counsel, there will still be work. What I would always advise in these scenarios is keep doing what you're doing, but also pick up other skills, right? Like you're going to see bankruptcies. You're going to see collections. You're going to see things that are revenue, either revenue producing or shielding efforts to shield like, you know, folks from getting personally sued. Get good in those things. Understand those things because that work is going to shine through. Yeah. But again, the work will exist. Now, granted, the, the M&A work may not exist, right? Like the, the big tech transactions. So you have to be able to pivot because if that's your client base, there's still work, but just different kinds of work. Eventually, the pendulum will swing back, right? And there'll 100%. be more hires. And so, so if I'm in the legal department at Meta, at Alphabet, at whomever, and I see that a lawyer had worked at you know, some Silicon Valley company and then left and did, let's say, bankruptcy, does that sure. bolster my resume? Do I look better because I have different skills on I my think resume? So. Or? I think it doesn't hurt. It definitely doesn't hurt to like when I look at like listen, when I look at a resume myself and I see that they did tech transactions and they have a bankruptcy background as well, and then they have this. I see you're like a true generalist. For yeah. me, I love it. I think a yeah. lot of in-house departments really enjoy it as well because they're like, awesome, you're you're movable. You're you're a, a piece that really can I can put in various places that can get the job done. Got it. Got it. Well, seems like the next few years we'll probably have a lot of that. And uh when the pendulum swings back, hopefully it'll it'll be good, good for some people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, this is actually a perfect time to to kind of plug ourselves here and say that Forbes just did a, a piece on law trades. Yeah. Talking about if you want to have a side hustle as a lawyer or a primary job right now as a lawyer, if you've been uh, you know, laid off, law trades is the perfect way to go about doing that. It's listen, it was a nice piece. I really appreciate yeah. it. Hey, shout out yeah. to Forbes. Shout um, out to Forbes. I'll say this, like if you're about to retire, you've had a, a big career, you know, as a tech attorney, for example, because we were just talking about it and you don't want to retire just yet. You want to transition into it. Law Trades is great because you can start picking up engagements and slowly move into a part-time position and then eventually mm-hmm. phase out. So thank you, Forbes, for the shout out. Yeah. Shout out back to Forbes. Yeah. Give that article a read after, uh, after you're done reading our newsletter here. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So let's end today with kind of a crazy story about Fox Corp, which is the parent company of Fox News. So Fox News is based in Los Angeles, or Fox Corp is, I guess, and their chief legal officer, a man by the name of Viet Din, lives in Los Angeles since 2018. However, since 2018, he has not been licensed by the California Bar Association. He's the chief legal officer of the company. He is licensed under the Bar Association of of the District of Columbia, of D.C., That would be crazy enough as is. But if you'll remember, Fox News is being sued for like a billion dollars by Dominion mm-hmm. over their claims on Fox News. So now Dominion is saying if your chief legal officer isn't even licensed in California, he doesn't have attorney-client privilege on all his internal documents. So this complicates a lot for them. <laughs> what a he only got He only got admitted to the California Bar Association in June. I wonder, so in Florida, they have like authorized in-house counsel. So like you could be barred somewhere else and like they give you the same, you know, like as if you're barred in Florida. I don't know. Does that maybe not exist in California? I hope listeners can like key me in because this is a wild story and a wild situation to be (laughs) to lose privilege. My understanding of the the lawyers that I know, I I live in Los Angeles, of the lawyers that I know out here is that our bar is somehow... Our bar is somehow like a national standard or some sort of it's sure. different than like, you know, Arkansas is no offense to Arkansas, but some other states bar. So correct. There's I see what they're saying. So what they're referencing probably is the UP is the uh, uniform bars. So like 
I'll give you an example. So like DC is a uniform bar state, just like yeah. New York City or New York, sorry, uh, Massachusetts. And there's these jurisdictions where if you're barred in one, you can get barred in these other states by just like applying. Without retaking the test. Now, Florida, California, Texas, there's like a few more. Do not play those games. Do not have I their see. own bar association, not bar association, right. bar exam. So that makes sense where California is in its own, you know, it's its own stance where if you're a DC attorney and you're like, oh, I'll just wave into this jurisdiction. But California, you cannot wave into. You have to take the bar exam. So I'll say this. What an, so I, I guess if they're, I haven't read the story, I apologize, but it sounds what they're alleging is that it's the unauthorized practice of law. If it is, right, you're acting as a California attorney. And if you're not, you're just not a California attorney. So why would you get privilege? Which is a very why interesting would you get privilege. And now we can look at all your internal communications because you don't have any attorney client privilege. Hey, what a wild story. <laughs> Wouldn't you think that the chief legal officer of a major media corporation would understand this, though? Like, what? How did they just think that it doesn't really matter? We're not going to get sued. So, like, what are they thinking? So, when you're an in house attorney, I'll say this when you're in house, like, I could be, again, I could be barred in Florida, but maybe I'm doing in house work in, in another jurisdiction again because I have it, I'm authorized counsel, whatever. It's just very common to see someone barred in like one state, but being an in house counsel in another state contingent upon the relevant bar rules. So maybe it was this scenario. Maybe this person has worked in other in-house departments and it made sense. But like mm. you would think that you would at least like whatever is applicable that means that you are acting as a California attorney, you'd think you'd have that down, right? Like for me, mm. if I was going to go work in another company outside of the States, like I would make sure on the website for the bar, it would say like authorize the practice in Minnesota. 100%. Or, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm going to follow this story like a hawk because that is unbelievable. Could you imagine like your chief legal officer fumbling this one and then all of your communications, which otherwise would be privileged by attorney client out, out and about. Yeah. In a crazy. massive lawsuit that's some billion dollars. That's, that's crazy. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Well, on that note, thank you as always for, for talking me through these and thank you everyone for listening and we'll, we'll see you all next week. See you next week. Hey, I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did, like and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Check us out also on LinkedIn and Twitter to keep up to speed with what we're doing. Catch you on the next one.